Hi, my name is Danny Woodward, and welcome to Assured by Grace. Again, this week, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Pastor Phil Congdon. Pastor Phil, it's great to be back. It is. It's good to be back. Uh, uh, we are recording this on the day after uh, the election, and um, I know that there are going to be some people who are happy, and there are some people who are sad about whatever happened in the elections. Uh, I actually don't know everything that happened. But uh, our purpose here is to actually, uh, we want everybody who hears this and who is watching to have your trust in God and what God can do and will do in your lives enhanced. Um, don't trust too much in politics or the good things or the bad things that are happening in this world. And this is actually kind of where we're going to be going today, because we're going to talk about uh, some of the struggles that we have um, and how we respond to those. Uh, the first thing I might mention, though, is uh, those of you who watched the last episode uh, where we talked about uh, John Piper and we talked about uh, some of the things that he teaches in his theology and the effect that that has on really destroying any possibility uh, of assurance of salvation and undermining that, that is something that many Christians struggle with. How can I ever know that God loves me and that he cares for me? Well, there is a, that's a theological problem that we addressed the last time. Today, we're going to be addressing more of a physical. Uh, a, a, yeah, practical issue, and it raises a question in our minds. Uh, so this is this is something I think a lot of you are going to be able to relate to. Well, like a lot of you guys out there, and, and Phil and I, you know, I, I I try to read the news as, as frequently as I can stomach it. And uh, a week about a week ago, I was kind of flipping through some some articles, and I found this article. That that really dug into some questions about, you know, the problem, the problems around suffering and pain, and and the and the Christian response to those problems, and and you know, Phil, it it did in in my estimation, it didn't do a great job of actually answering these problems. It it, it tiptoed around them a bit, and it it kind of if I, if I can, I'll just kind of set this up for you. It said. You know, one of the questions was, why does he allow you and me to face the suffering and pain of life in this, on this broken planet? And the answer was, death is not a wall, but a door. <laughs> and so they were dancing around the, the real question. The real question is, hey, man, it hurts here in life. It hurts physically. It hurts emotionally. There's yeah. things that, that we all experience in our lives. If you, if you live here for any amount of time, in this world, you're going to experience pain and you're going to experience suffering and you're going to wonder why. And so that, those are, those are the questions that I wanted to dig into today and maybe, uh, maybe can help us to, to better understand mm -hmm. the biblical principles, uh, that, that, uh, that are out there for us to, to better understand. Yeah, well, we can, we could start with maybe where, uh, uh, popular psychology or popular theology would start. Uh, and that is, you know, this question, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? Like, 
uh, Rabbi, Harold, Rabbi Harold Kushner's book uh, from some years ago. And by the way, there are others, a lot of other books written about this where people try to explain why is it that bad things happen to good people. Uh, and w we could discuss the, the good people part. Maybe we can talk about that in a minute. But really, the, the issue is a felt one. Um, you know, somebody has a child and something horrible happens to their child. Why did that happen? Uh, you know, the Rabbi Harold Kushner in his book uh, gave two solutions. He said, either God doesn't care, um, so you would say he's not a very good God, or he's not all powerful, but he is good. And so he's good and he sees, oh no, there's that train wreck is about to happen. But he tries to get there and he doesn't get there in time. You know, it's like he just, he's not all powerful. Um, now, philosophically, um, if God is not all, if your God is not all powerful, he is not God. Because God is by definition an omnipotent, omnipotent, all powerful God. So there is, there is no one else. So if you have, Two people who are competing gods, and that's small g gods, mm. neither one of them is God. They are gods, and there are a whole lot of gods in this world. But there is, by definition, only one God. And so if I follow Rabbi Harold Kushner's options, then the only option I really have is that God doesn't really care, uh, at least not enough, about suffering. So. What he does is, uh, you know, occasionally maybe he drops in and, and he heals somebody from cancer. But he just does that for a hobby or something. And he doesn't really care. And the result of that is, is that you have a deistic God. Deism is the belief that God started this whole uh, universe going and then went to a parallel universe and is sitting on the beach somewhere, relaxing, and he's just letting this solar this solar this whole universe slowly wind itself into oblivion and uh the the problem with that is that we have in this world in our own experience in our history the revelation of the son of god and the son of god came uh showing mercy and compassion uh, empathy. He was, he was the antithesis of everything yeah, deism has to say. It was, it's not deistic at all. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Yeah. So all of a sudden we say, okay, well then our picture of God, that he either is not omnipotent, which means he isn't God or else he's uncaring that he's not loving. Neither one of those flies. So then we have to say, okay, well, what is the conception of God that we have in the Bible? You know, these ideas about God, they stem from the Garden of Eden. In a perfect world where God has created everything, he says it's all good. The man and the woman are together. They have everything they need, and there is no sin. This is perfect. Uh, so there, we, we don't have any 
accidents happening. We don't have any terrorist events. We don't have any cancer. There's nothing. No death. No death. And God says, enjoy. Rule. <laughs> and then he says, but there is one tree, and that tree is not good for you. So don't eat that tree, the knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't want them to have that knowledge of evil. He wants them to have this open, uh, unhindered relationship with him. Well, Satan comes, and Satan says, did God say? And he just raises that doubt. And, and I hear this all the time. Something bad happens to you. And he's, uh, does God really love me? So all, all it begins with is maybe an innocent question that Satan will prompt people to have. But that's where it starts. And then he lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. Well, he's a liar. He's an accuser. This is what he does. He always wants to attack God. So what did he do? He attacked the character of God. He says, as God said, he says, well, you know, God wasn't telling you the truth. When he said you will die, he wasn't telling you the truth. He knows that your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. And now he's, what he's doing is he's saying that God doesn't want the best for you. God is trying to deceive you. And when God says something bad will happen to you, no, he knows that this is really the best thing for you. I want you to know he hasn't changed at all doing the same thing. And, you know, this, this issue of why doesn't God save us? Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's the issue. Well, so Phil, what about, you know, kind of the, the perspective that people have that somehow God is, is number one, that he doesn't intervene when we want him to. And, and number two, that, that he is a God who, is is pulling the puppet strings on everything <laughs> what what about that because that that a lot of in this article that i read that i was looking at and there was some some presuppositions yeah. some some like beliefs that were just mixed in without even bringing them out that yeah pretty much uh gave those uh those ideas credence without ever even saying it can i just so that people know that you and i are that this isn't something that is just an intellectual exercise yeah. for us. Uh, what happened with you, with your dad, when you were a kid? So I, uh, how old were you? I think I was about eight when, when my dad got a diagnosis of cancer. Man, and, uh, and, and it was tough, man. And in our family, we, we ended up moving uh, from, from a little South Texas town up to Kerrville. And in the process of that, that time, it's about three years he, he suffered with cancer. And I mean, if you've ever been around somebody that has terminal cancer, they, they suffer. It's not a pretty sight watching them deteriorate. And, uh, and I was, you know, I was a young boy and a, and a believer, grew up in a Christian home who had a, a basic understanding of the Bible. Uh, and I was hurting so bad for my father that I can remember going into my closet and, and just, just, you know, 
bearing my, my heart to God, praying to him, weeping with him, saying, God, save my father. Um, hmm. And hmm. the misunderstanding, I think. That, well, what that what I were had, your thoughts then? Were you, were you just thinking, why doesn't he save him? Yeah, well, and I was thinking, in, in my mind, I was like, I just need to believe more. I need to have more faith. Yeah. I'm misunderstanding some scripture in regard to that. And uh in it, you know, when it became clear that 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 wasn't gonna happen, uh it, it was it was devastating. Not that I not that I lost faith in God, but because I mm. thought that I, I wasn't able to demonstrate that faith. Does that make sense? Well, it, it echoes something that I think a lot of our listeners may have been exposed to. And that is this idea that uh, if you do something, if you pray or if you say it the right way or, you know, hocus pocus, if you behave yourself, whatever, if you're doing that, that 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 somehow will help get God uh, like, you know, it'll wake him up or he'll say, hey, ah, I, I had overlooked that. So, and, and what we're doing is we anthropomorphize God. We bring him down to this level where he's like some cosmic Santa Claus or a rabbit's foot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is encouraged. Uh, it's really encouraged by uh, what I call the the lowest form of, and I use the term loosely, Christian ministers who are out there telling people that if they come to their meetings and give money, that they'll heal them or, yeah. you know, touch the television screen and send me a thousand dollars and, and you will be blessed. And, and this idea that, that you can play with God this way and get what you want, get healing for your father or, or whatever. And that, that is, that's awful. Uh, I personally think that there will be a special place of judgment for those people. But this idea that, that if, I, if I just do the right thing, even if I just obey God, that, that maybe he'll heal. Well, and, and I think, too, it's, it's that we all feel like we need to do something in those situations. Yeah. And, and I, and I, I can't speak to what I was thinking as a little boy back then, but I'm sure that I thought that I just, I needed to do yeah. something. And I felt, and I felt a sense of, of, uh, culpability in, in, in what eventually yeah. happened. And that's not to say that, that, that feeling stayed for forever, yeah. but, uh, I think there's a lot of people that, to varying degrees, you you feel like you, you're either beating yourself up because you didn't say something yeah. or do something or take someone to get an appointment. There's there's it, it's not just it doesn't just uh, you know sit right there in the realm of, of a misunderstanding of faith. I think there's people yeah. that are dealing with suffering that it, we all want to have some type of, uh, of culpability. In. Yeah, well, I I was I was a teenager when my uh, brother, uh, youngest brother at the time, passed away, and uh, um, he was kind of my best friend, and 
And, uh, and I remember going to the back pasture behind our house, behind the barn, and out there in the dark of night, uh, crying out to the sky, why God? And I think the unspoken question for me was, you know, take somebody else. Take me, take anybody, but don't take Dougie. And and that uh, silence that I heard back is the silence that a lot of people hear. And I think Satan comes just like he did in the garden and he starts whispering things. You know, that God isn't good. God can't do anything about that. Don't believe in God um, or or even worse things. And and there are a lot of options here. Um, so it is true that I know that in, in some uh, in more of the charismatic uh, Pentecostal side of things, there might be people who will just say, you know, you need to pray harder. You need to have more faith, uh, whatever. But there, there are others too. And I think that, um, the, the issue of what is God like? It, is God a God of love? Uh, and there, this idea that, that God is all-powerful causes some people to, to then say, well, if God is all-powerful, and he is, then why didn't he save my father? Now, that that question, you know, could be like you said, well, I, I wasn't good enough, and so it's my fault. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't pray enough, so it's my fault. But eventually, as we go through stages of grief, we get angry at God. Why aren't you good enough to do this. And there is a, an insidious response here, and I don't know how deeply we want to get into this, but it, it's a response that, uh, of a, a very strong Calvinistic response, and that is that God, by the secret determination of his will, decreed in eternity past what's going to happen, and it's all to his glory. Hmm. Now, you know, it that to me strikes at the very heart of my concept of God. I just say, okay, you're telling me that God decreed in eternity past everything that's going to happen. So if I die of a heart attack right now, God, he decreed that. If I am driving home tonight, and I get in a car accident and I'm killed instantly. God decreed that. If your dad gets cancer, God decreed that. If my brother gets burned and dies, that God decreed that. And all, all of a sudden you say, wait a minute. Is this the God that I see on the pages of Scripture? Is, is this, he is determining the, everything? The Jesus that cried at Lazarus' funeral? Yeah. I mean, it. It, it makes a mockery of everything that happened in Scripture. Because instead of it being an event 
where God is intervening and is seeking right. to save and to help, we are saying, no, God's already determined the bad things and the good things and everything. And by the way, uh, the most heinous part of this is that God's already determined whether you're going to heaven or hell and you don't have any say in that. He determined it. So now, before I get off the subject, though, I want to come back to this, this issue, this issue of God's love and who he is. And for somebody here who's struggling, um, and for me, you know, the hardest struggles are not maybe my aches and pains or if I get fired from my job or whatever. It's my loved ones. It's my kids. If something bad happens to them or my wife, if something's happening to her or somebody else that I really care about and something's happening to them, that's when I usually cry out. Mm-hmm. Why? You know, that, uh, and the, you know, the interesting thing here is that we have to, we have to step back. Uh, we are so self-centered. Um, we want to think all the time, you know, why, why is something bad happening to me? And there are bad things happening to somebody else. We don't care about them, but why is it happening to me? Um, our concept of God is something that Satan wants to muck with. He doesn't want God to be really God. He wants us to think of ourselves as God. And then we're going to tell God how to do his job. And uh, I want God to punish sin. I just don't like to admit that I'm a sinner. (laughs) Yeah. And so if I'm driving on the road and somebody goes speeding past me, I'm thinking, why isn't there a police officer to stop that guy? But when I go speeding down the road because I'm in a hurry and I get stopped, then I'm upset that there's a police officer. Mm -hmm. And if we can start with a concept that none of us is good, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this idea that I'm an innocent bystander and this, and this, spinning globe of life, this sewer of suffering, and here I am, I'm behaving myself, and then bad things happen to me. No, I'm a sinner. And the Bible tells me that the wages of sin is death. And Satan is the God of this world, and as a sinner, I am subject to all the effects of that sin, and he It says, Jesus said in John 10, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. So he's going to do those things. The question is, now, how am I going to respond? And usually what we do is instead of recognizing and blaming Satan for the evil that comes, we blame God. Hmm. I, I love this illustration. You know, if you have some roofers on your house and they're roofing and the guy <laughs> hits his thumb with a hammer, 
whose name does he say? <laughs> Jesus. He's yeah. going to probably say Jesus Christ. Yeah. Why doesn't he say Satan? I don't know. I've never thought of that. It's because the God of this world wants us to associate everything bad with God. So in the article that you read, there's this whole premise. We got bad things happening. Why isn't God doing something about that? So so we've got to yeah. we've got to change our our perspective going into this. But Phil, in yeah. the midst of those bad things, how how do believers where do we find our assurance and our comfort? Mm-hmm. Where do we go when we're when we're just about to be flattened? Well, the assurance issue. Uh, I won't say how do we find assurance if you don't come into a situation like that right. with assurance, you're not going to find it there. Um, uh, what was it that the psalmist wrote? And here I don't have the exact scripture, but. Uh, um, seek ye the Lord when he may be found surely in the flood of many waters, you will not find him. And, uh, you know, the old saying, you know, there are no atheists in foxholes, you know, they're all crying out to God, but do they know God? Do they, have they recognized him? Do they, have they come to him in faith, uh, trusting in him? Uh, no, you know, that's, it's a very, this is the time. Today is the day of salvation. So if if somebody right now, you're not suffering, well, this is the time to be thinking, okay, who am I? I am a sinner. Who is God? God is my creator who loves me and wants to have a relationship with me. But because of my sin, there's separation. So God sends his son so that I can have a relationship with him. He, he came down to my level. And because I was a sinner, he died in my place. I trust in Jesus. I have a relationship with him, period. I have assurance. Believe in the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but has everlasting life. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word, believes him who sent me, has eternal life, does not come into judgment, has passed out of death into life. So here's this this solution to, to this. God's made that. Now I've got assurance. I'm resting. I know that I'm his, not just for this life, but for eternity. And then I get the phone call. Now I have something that I can trust in. I I don't have to say, oh, okay, Lord, uh, I'm going to try to behave so that you'll do something for me. I am going to talk to God like I'm talking to you, my friend. Will I cry? If there's something horrible happening, yeah, I've done that. Uh, so have you. So th- this idea that, you know, we, we brought da- God down to this level of why do you allow something bad to happen? There are many reasons why 
we will suffer. Yeah. The cause of them ultimately is all sin. But if I go back to this question, you know, why do good things happen to, why do bad things, excuse me, happen to good people? Um, my, my bigger question, and I would uh, suggest everybody ask this, is why does a good God do anything for a bad person, a sinful person? I, if I were God, I, I think I would have drop-kicked me a long time ago. But God loves every one of us. So my assurance comes from the revealed promises of God. I trust in Jesus Christ. And then when I come to face the trials in life, and one day when I stand at the threshold of perhaps the end of my own life, then I can, I can be assured at that point because I have trusted Jesus Christ. And, and should we say something else too, Phil, about the the comfort? And I don't want to mm -hmm. say the assurance, but the reassurance that we have as believers and in, in what's to come. You know, you started off this talk about talking about the Garden of Eden and the perfection, the perfect, uh, the perfect condition that that uh, people were yeah. in. We have that to look forward to too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, it's it's an awesome, awesome expectation. Uh, sometimes, you know, you think, um, I'd like to go there now. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the uh, you know, Christianity has gotten mocked a lot for the pie in the sky thinking mm. over the years. But you talk about people, talk, talk to people that have been through some really arduous situations and, and mm. camps. And, and, you know, they they get through by thinking about the future, their ultimate future a lot of times. There's something there too, isn't there? Yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, the Hall of Fame of Faith, uh, talks about Old Testament saints. And it says, you know, they all lived their lives. They suffered, they died, they were beaten, they were persecuted, put to death. And they all did this with faith because they were looking for the city, a city, uh, its foundations are not here on earth. But uh, in, in the same way, that's us. Now, now let's just say, for example, I could say, um, I'm looking forward to heaven. I'm looking forward to Jesus' return. I am looking forward to that. And that gives me uh, hope, even when things are not going well. Mm -hmm. But it also, there is a shorter term. And that is that Jesus is walking with us. Yeah. If you are... If you have trusted in Christ as your Savior, then Jesus walks with you through those times. Now, you can walk away from him, and you can deny him, and you can say, well, I don't like you anymore, and, and I don't want to believe in you anymore. But even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And uh, the cool thing is here is that if we come back to him and we'll walk with him, then we're going to find what we're really looking for. Second um, Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul has a thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, maybe a disease, something, and he asks God three times to take that from him. And God said, no, 
And then we read these words, but he has said to me, Paul writes, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. His power, all that power that created the universe, you know where that starts to show itself? When I'm weak. And Paul says, therefore, I am, I'm going to be content with where I am because when I am weak, then I am strong. To the Apostle James, uh, again, words, I'm not sure I always like these words, but they come back as a comfort. Consider it all joy, my brethren, James 1, 2 to 4, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. There's a promise that, yeah, I'm going to go through suffering and things I don't like. But if I will hold on to the Lord's hand through that, though it's not easy, that's where assurance by grace pays off big time. Yes, it is. Great talk, Bill. Thank you so much walking through some of these misconceptions and presuppositions. And I, I look forward to, uh, to the next one. Yeah, we'll have some more fun. Yeah, thanks.